Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Do you know who Donald Trump hasn't actually pardoned, or maybe not pardoned yet? He might do more before he finally quits the Oval Office. He hasn't pardoned your man from Tiger King yet. One of his people was saying yesterday they were so confident that Joe Exotic was going to get a pardon that they actually had a limo ready to collect him. Um, but it hasn't happened yet, so Joe Exotic not yet pardoned. Little Wayne! He's been pardoned. No, not the one who's pushing my buttons back at base. The other one. Little Wayne, the rapper and gunslinger and all of those sorts of things. We will have a preview uh, from Washington, D.C. today of the inauguration with our colleague from Times Radio, John Pina. That's a bit later on this morning, but plenty more happening here at home to focus upon. 1857 the number they text to WhatsApp is 83 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. The newspapers full to the brim about Donald Trump, obviously, but uh, also about the schools and the special needs classes, which I think this time yesterday, it seemed fairly inevitable that the special needs classes wouldn't be opening. Now we know it for sure. Uh, they announced it last night that they won't be opening from tomorrow. A lot of blaming going on, a lot of union bashing going on, a lot of the papers saying that the unions uh, were responsible for this. We'll, we'll catch up with that one in, in, in a wee while. But I want to turn, first of all, to homelessness. Um, we have all seen, or you may well have seen, that awful programme on Monday night, when I say awful in terms of how sad it was, another great piece of work, and when they do good stuff, they deserve credit for it. RT Investigates did a fine documentary on homelessness on the streets of Dublin, and, and indeed Kildare, because of, there was a connection there with one of the lads they were following to Kildare, and they focused on the people who were sleeping rough uh, on the streets of Dublin. It was a fine, fine piece of work, but of course we know we don't need RT Investigates to tell us, but we know that we have a massive problem of our own right here on the streets of Cork. It's been going on for years. People living in tents, people living in doorways. The old adage or the old mantra that there's a bed for everybody who wants one, and yet we have people saying that's actually not true at all. But the other morning, uh, we have discovered that there is a man living or at least occasionally sleeping in a bin. He was found, a skip, you know, one of these blue bin things. He was found by a member of the striking Debenham workers 
as she was dumping her coffee cup early in the morning. Claire, that was your colleague, Claire O'Leary. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, what what happened? You were going to the dump. Or to we the were just trying well, to figure right? out which one was the recycling, and uh, she opened one, and I opened the other, and she just jumped back with the because she she got a fright. Obviously, I didn't see I didn't see him myself personally, but she just got an awful fright. Mm. Do you know, she obviously thought he was dead first, did she? I I don't even think she just kind of. I mean, it's the last thing you expect to see when you open a bin, you know. Mm. Where whereabouts was it, Claire? Just down our lane where we where we are protesting. Just, I think it's at the back of Smith's, I think. But I think right. the bins have been removed uh, since then, I think. Anyway, I'm under that uh, impression, I think, that they've been removed. About what time in the morning was it? Oh, um, it was about quarter past, no, it was about quarter, quarter past nine, quarter, half nine. We, we were just going to have a cup of tea. We were just finishing our cup of tea, actually. Right. And um, we were just throwing them in the bin. I was throwing my cup in the bin. And you were trying so, to figure um, out which one was recycling and which one yeah, was... Yeah, that was it, yeah. yeah. There was a green and a black bin, you see. So uh, mm. there were three bins next to each other, right. you know. And was the chap awake or what, or did he communicate with you in any way? No, 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 and didn't make a move to get out of the bin either after we... Because we retreated back then, you know. Mm. We kind of just moved back because we just... Well, we got a fright like and... Of course you do. That, that, you that's know? your first reaction. What's, yeah. what's happening yeah. here? Yeah. I suppose you're like I said earlier. Your your first fright is God is that is is he dead or alive? You didn't yes. wait to find out, I guess. I mean, well, we just kind of moved back up to the top of the lane, you know. So, yeah. you know, we weren't right next to the bin. Yeah. Terrible. It's to just think kind that of sad. Is, like it's just sad yeah, in this, this day and age. And there's a yeah. tent at the front as well, so it's it's just very sad to see. It really is, and I think we're more aware of it because, well, not me personally. I have I'm only back on the packet, but. Like the girls, and they've seen an awful lot. You know, it really opens your eyes as to what's going on. Do you know? Yeah. You're there early in the morning, and you're, you know, it's dark, and there's no one else around. Mm. You know, it's You kind of think, don't you, Claire? What, what sort of, of hardship drives someone to climb into a bin full of Absolutely. other people's Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's, to it's, try to get a, a bit of You think you'd have problems, but to me, you, have, you don't compare to what's going on with these poor people, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. just and, sad. And the thing about it is, the weather is not. I mean, last night was horrible, but the yeah. weather is going to get worse over the next few. It's going to get very cold and I think very damp and wet as well. Yeah. So that yeah. awful bone chilling winter cold will be with us. You'd just hate to think of anybody trying Absolutely. to seek yeah, out. Yeah, and I, I, I was only just trying to get in. I was the cold, it was the wet. I'd say, you know, yeah. that's all. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's just very sad. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, Claire, listen. Uh, by the way, how's the how's the newbie? Oh, she's good. I had to fire her down there to get her fit, so my husband just took her there. So um, she's good. She's great. Very good. Yeah. Good. And how's the morale Thanks. on the on the picket line? It's coming. Um, it, it's good. I mean, everyone's a bit anxious over the the COVID. You know, with the numbers. But I mean, yeah. we're not finished yet. You know, let's put it like that. We've come to, yeah, come too far now at this stage. Nearly two hundred and ninety days now. Yeah, but like we're just kind of maybe. We're dwindling the numbers. It's a small bit, so there's not too many of us around, you know, because of the COVID. We're just being cautious, you know, but we are still there. Um, have no fears of that, I would say. <laughs> I expect talking to Valerie last last uh, last year, one point last year, she said, if I have to celebrate my 90th birthday down here, she said. <laughs> I believe it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, look after yourselves. Claire. Okay, you too. Thanks, PJ. Maybe, and, and, and thanks. Thank you. 1850 715 996. That was a, a bin. 
and uh, I, they were there, they, herself and her colleague were there of a morning time, maybe half nine, quarter past nine, and they were looking for where they'd put their coffee cups, which is the recycling, which is the rubbish, you know how you do, and her buddy opened up one of the bins and there's this guy asleep inside. Uh, it is, it's got to be the depths of human misery to climb into somebody else's rubbish to try to find a place to lay your head, get some sleep, get some rest, try to get warm for, uh, on these very, very cold nights that we have. You have to wonder what kind, what level of degradation, what level of of hardship would put someone to do that. And uh, oh, do you know what's also horrendous? And I don't know what time they do it uh, around there, that time of the morning, but supposing they'd lifted that bin onto a truck with him still asleep inside it because don't they don't they stack those on top of each other on a truck they kind of lift them up on the chains and drop them in like the thoughts of what might have happened to him don't just they just don't bear thinking 1850715996 let us go to Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners Katrina good morning to you good morning PJ you do have to ask yourself that question. Well, I do. I suppose you probably don't because you see it so much. What drives a human being to climb into somebody else's rubbish to try to get some rest? Survival, PJ. Simple People, as that. It's as simple as that. They have to do what they can to survive. Now, in a way, in Cork, like it's it, it's very kind of up there now because of COVID nineteen. And the council have done a good job in putting as many people as they can up. This huge amount of people put up in accommodation, in B and Bs and in hotels all over the place. And um, we know that because we see that firsthand. And there are very little left on the streets, so we have to look at the other issues that cause these people to remain on the streets. And this is a problem that's been ongoing for a very, very, very long time. You know, you can't just scratch the surface. You have to dig deep and you have to help people to rebuild their lives again. It's as simple as that. There are people who just won't go into a shelter or won't go into a place, aren't there? There are. And they they just insist that they don't want to go in there. They don't feel safe. They don't. Whatever their reasons, they won't go in there. You've probably spoken to loads of them, Katrina. Can you understand that thought process? Not really. You know, I... I just wonder, you know, sometimes, like, do they even understand it themselves, you know, because, like, okay, I, I know what a lot of them have a problem with is that they have to queue up late at night to get in. And it, it's very, we see them, we're around at that time, and you, you see them waiting. Um, and then they have to leave early in the morning. Mm. And I, I just think, like, that there's a despondency amongst them that they really don't know what to do themselves. And the system is degrading. The system is very degrading, yeah. And again, you can't blame anybody that's rolling out the system. They need more support for to roll out a, a better system. The system is very, very degrading. And it, it's about time, I suppose, we started looking at smaller units now for people so that the pro- the problem just doesn't keep on. It's like a roller coaster. It just goes on and on and on and on. You know, when somebody goes into a, a, a shelter or someplace like that, you know, it should be with a view to moving on someplace within a certain frame of time. 
maybe yeah. a little bit longer for some people. But for people being there five, six, seven years and stuff like that, like that, then that just tells us that there is a problem. Yeah. You're and on the front page of the back. Echo today about the new people that you're seeing. Before I go on to that, Katrina, just in the wake of the programme that we watched on, on Monday night on the RT yeah, Investigates, I saw it. Yeah. something that jumped out of that, and it, to me anyway, as an ordinary individual, it sounds like the most inhumane element of this, in that there's a poor big bugger, we'll say, from Kildare, or that misfortunate man from yeah. County Carlow who was crying on screen. There's an empty bed in a hostel. They've empty shown bed. that. And he can't get in there because yeah. he's not registered in Dublin. That's That happens here too, PJ. Does it? Now explain, that, yeah. explain how that is allowed to happen, can you? Well... You know, I'd like they're told to go back to where they're from because they're getting their social welfare, welfare payment from that area. They're registered there and they're told, they're told to go back. Now, sometimes for a lot of people, when they move to, to the city here, it can take them months to get their social welfare sorted out. So as well as being homeless, they're penniless. Yes. So the whole system is completely wrong on that front. You can't just expect, expect a person to survive, you know, without a home. And without a, a penny in his pocket either, so like, I'd, like hate all... the, I'd hate to have thought of the prospect of the poor devil in the bin. Let's let's look at him, look the, at the guy in the bin. Yeah. That you know, yeah. he might have come from, for argument's sake, he might be from Limerick, and he hasn't got a penny in his pocket. He doesn't know where yeah. to go. He gets a phone number. He rings the phone number, and they say, "Oh, sorry, you're not registered in Cork. Yeah. You can't." And and there and the, the very same people have empty beds. I can't look, my head around it, Katrina. Look, this, this is what we have to look at. Everybody deserves to be in order to cold, especially here in Ireland. We have very bad weather. It's miserable, cold, damp, freezing, raining, you name it, we have it. And this is our winters and sometimes our springs and our autumns and the whole athletic. And we have very little summer. So it's an ongoing problem here and it has to be looked at. If somebody has to leave where they're from because maybe they just have to family break up you don't, nobody knows what it is and they move to another place to try and secure a, a, a better future for themselves or to try and find a future for themselves and then they're made with the brick wall and no bed now give give the bed it's like or else just you know I, I, I would urge the council just get an emergency shelter and for people like that, put them in there and then work with them to sort out their problems. That makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, help them with their paperwork, but give them a warm place to sleep first. Exactly, because what state of mind are they going to be in to kind of move forward? You know, how they're hungry, they're cold, they're wet, and how are they going to move forward with paperwork? Everything is shut down now and you have to be able to make phone calls or you know, do all that kind of stuff. And a lot yeah. of people aren't in a position to do that. Whether yeah. they have a home or whether they don't have a home. Yeah. Because we see yeah. it like from people that have a home as well. And they're just hooked yeah. in their own homes. Like You're, you're uh, seeing, according to the Echo, actually, loads of, of, of new people. And, yeah. and you're saying that particularly since the third lockdown started, yeah. that loads of people yeah. now are at breaking point or maybe even gone beyond it. Who are yeah. you seeing now that you didn't see a year ago? Well, we'd have seen a lot of people that were able to, that were working and were able to manage. But people on the COVID payment, a lot of them are still paying bills that far go beyond the, the COVID payment. And they're struggling big time to try and juggle everything and to keep that roof over your head. Because what is it first, like 
your roof, your electricity. Yeah. You know, your food kind of comes down the line. Yeah. So they come to us then for that, and then they're there and they're just saying, they don't know what they're going to do, because they're they're all over the place trying to think of a plan, which they can't think of, because for them, it's a financial plan, and then if somebody's going to give them money to pay their bills, they can't think of anything, so they're really struggling, and they're juggling everything along the way. Hmm. So they're they're keeping the roof over their head. They're keeping electricity in yes. for the lights and maybe a bit of heating, and then they've nothing else. So they're not, coming to you for that. They should look. The government should be looking at now. Right, everybody's told stay at home. We have people staying indoors that are in a very cold, damp house. The government should do something about that fuel allowance and give people that are on it an extra bit of fuel. They should look at the people with COVID payment and give them that fuel allowance, you know. Give them a, you know, a top up, give them something just to get right. them through this rough. You know, could you imagine being inside in your home all day long in the freezing cold? No. We, we, yeah. We've actually been at home ourselves for the last two, two and a half weeks and... and there were some very cold days and nights in that and, and the prospect of not having the heating on, like, I can't even contemplate it. No, that that's right. And then you're talking then straight mental health. Mm. People's minds are suffering big time. The people that are left on the streets are rough sleepers, see no hope. They're, you know, like, we were down the cold kit the other night, you know, and there was a few of them down there, like, and we had to get the, quite a, quite a, quite a few of them down there all, chatting together like and we had to get them go back and get more dinners for them they weren't eating just the one they were eating too so we went back and we got them and we gave them you know the tents and the sleeping bags whatever they needed but you know like I was going home PJ they weren't and like you say the prospects of me if I had to face into a night I wouldn't survive I didn't know how they survive it because it, it's really, really bad. When we're out for a couple of hours at night, they were cold ourselves and frozen, and you go home and you can feel it in your bones, you know? So uh, I, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it. And I really do think like that. It, it, like, no matter what the government say they do, it always falls short of something. Yeah. So no matter where they look, like, take a look at the dead and workers now, look how long they're out there. Shame. Yeah. That is a shame. These are our our own people here, like, you know, our friends, our neighbours, you know, our brothers, our sisters, whatever, and mm. they're out there, and look how long they're out there, and look how long they're left there. That That's yeah. wrong. The government should intervene straight away and demand that these people are sorted, because why? Some of them could be the next people that could be coming to our doors. Do you know the people, Katrina, who I feel particularly sorry for, in, in, in a way that is just... Personal to, in that, and you and I have spoken this before. People who've been on the streets and live in that way, that lifestyle for many years, they have become out of absolute necessity battle hardened, and and they can take an awful lot more than you or I. And it's yeah. not right that they should, but they do. They become battle hardened in in a certain way. But there's yeah. forty seven and a half thousand people on a COVID payment in Cork at the moment. These are people who, this time last year, had a job, a home, heat, light, food. They've no protection against no. The, the level of what they're facing now. They're in no. real, real trouble. They're in big trouble and their routine is gone completely. That's gone out the window for them. So they're stuck though with 
what do we do and how do we do it? How do we get by? How do we survive? It's all survival now for so many people. And again, this is where the government should be stepping in. This shouldn't happen. Do you know, look, if your car breaks down in the morning or if your car goes in for a service, you service the whole lot of it. Because if you don't, the whole lot of it won't work then. It won't work as a whole. And this is what's happening. The government is just sticking the plaster here, sticking the plaster someplace else. So many things are just not right. And, do you know, we're going back years and years, like with the government. Like, this is not today, not yesterday that it's happening. This has been happening for years and years and years. But it's about time now because COVID-19, we're losing people, you know. And it's, it, it, it's bringing death everywhere. Small children now know about death now big time. Do you know, it's just all over the place. Like, it's just, I mean, it's there. It's, it's just frightful. Yeah. But then small, again, ch- small children, of course... Yeah. yeah, small small okay. children. We we should always remember too. Again, coming from those families that a year ago had jobs and houses and and cars and and were happy and content, yeah. and now have nothing. Those children, they're damaged now. Those children. They are, and you can imagine the hurt their parents are feeling because they're not normal anymore. Normal has been taken out of it. It's not there anymore for a lot of people. And, you know, some people come down. And I always said that, like, you, you never know who's going to drop by with a donation or who's going to drop by looking for something. So we're very worried, you know. And at the minute, like, we're down to a very, since March, we're down to a staff of about eight to ten, sometimes six every day. We had to streamline our services to keep everybody safe. And we're very conscious, like Sanitize Ireland or forever inside, sanitizing the place. And we try to keep everyone that comes to our doors safe, you know. And we're, we're con- we can see them coming every day and we can see the change yeah. in, in their faces, in their eyes, in their appearance. We can see that. That's very, very visible. And then when the new people come, they come and they want to go show the story and they don't know where to start. And then that ends in tears. And you have to try and say, it's okay, you know. But like, again, we're trying to, it's like, you know, if you've been to a hospital and you're afraid of getting a procedure done, it's like when they come to us, they're afraid of the fact that they've actually ended up at our doors. And when we say that, like, you know, we feel so sorry for them. And we just say, no, it's okay, it's okay. And we keep on saying, you're doing the right thing. You're so even and you're making sure your family gets by. And, you know, this is the right thing to do. Don't worry about it. This is what we're here for. And we try to let them know. It's 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 not it's not charity as such. It's people helping people. Katrina, I'm going to leave it there for today at that particular point. And thank you uh, and your team for, for all that you do. You're a great friend of ours here on the Opinion yeah. Line. Always thank happy to Thank you for all you do for us. PJ said we have a family and we need an electric cooker for the mother and their three children very, very quickly. And I kind of, just if anybody has one, but, you know, a proper one, like, you know, not. But if, just if anybody has one, because um, they, they need one pretty badly. Katrina, if you don't ask, you won't get. I'm not going to I guarantee won't. that you will get anywhere. And I wouldn't ask before, but, but I'm done. asking now because this no. is Good on you. a working Good. mother who's not working anymore in her cooker. Good on you. Good on you, Katrina. You put it out there and we'll see what we can do. That's Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners. If anybody has an electric cooker in working order that they can donate to the Penny Dinners, and don't worry, they'll take care of everything. Electricians installing the whole lot. They'll take care of everything. Just if you can donate it. You know where to go. 1850 715 996. After the break, the schools.
for special the, uh, the special needs classes and special needs schools not going back tomorrow. That's next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Cork County Council's COVID-19 Community Support Programme is a coordinated community response to assist vulnerable persons with their daily needs. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, call the dedicated confidential free phone number 1-800-805-819 or email covidsupport at corkcoco.ie from 9am to 5pm every day. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Someone who would only say they're a friend of Katrina's called in to say the team are doing fabulous work, but they too are exhausted with all they have to do wanted me to say that as they mind everyone, they should also mind themselves. And uh, people think so highly of Katrina and her team. Very, very well said. 1850-715-996. Just at the top of the programme, I mentioned <clears throat> excuse me, that the newspapers are full of the school's story this morning. And yesterday we were talking around this time about the almost certainty that the special classes and special schools wouldn't Reopen today, and indeed, last evening or yesterday afternoon, late at the afternoon, uh, Norma Foley, uh, the Minister for Education, said, "No, they're not going to go ahead." Um, and the newspapers this morning pretty much all take the same tone on it. The Independent says Norma Foley was forced to abandon her plans by the two unions, by the INTO and by FORSA, who represent special needs assistance, that the examiner says it might that it was not being possible owing to a lack of cooperation. What is that? Only pointing at the unions. The Times says that unions rebuffed plans to reopen special classes and special schools. And the Irish Sun says the plans were abandoned after unions decided not to support it. I'm joined on the line by the INTO president, uh, Mary Magner. Mary, good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Very much the finger being pointed at yourself and your colleagues for the classes not reopening this morning. I think it's an accusation you'd reject, though. Uh, PJ, like, it is a very disappointing day, let me uh, tell you this. And as I speak at the moment, every teacher in the country is still... Uh, working and will continue to work hard this morning supporting all children indeed and especially children with special education needs. As we're speaking live, you know, uh, Google Classroom, Zoom, Seesaw lessons, phone calls, daily check-in with parents um, of of children with special education needs are taking place. Um, it, it It has been highly, you know, we have worked tirelessly with the department and with government in an attempt to, to reopen schools. But the well, 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 why, are your, why were your members so reluctant to go back in this morning? Well, the, 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 the sad thing about it, um, PJ, is that on, on a day yesterday when the harrowing figure of 93 deaths 
and um, you know Keisha Saul was a stark and, and sobering figure and quite upsetting news for everybody in the country um, and you have uh, hospitals like Mullingar built capacity you had a, a Northern Cork coming out and saying that patients are younger and um, young people in hospital and they're absolutely exhausted and the hospital system so stretched at the moment and that the transmission rates are still at 13% and the figure of, you know, 2,000 um, cases in the country is still yeah. far too high. So, um, you know, we have urged government to just postpone the, the face-to-face uh, resumption of, of school-based special education services um, until we can, uh, until the, obviously the figures can drop significantly. Um, and uh, we but, are... But Neffet, Neffet have told us, haven't they, Mary, and, and the international record tells us that schools themselves anyway are relatively, and I use that word carefully, relatively safe places, and that under the circumstances with only the special units reopening, that in actual fact the schools wouldn't be a third or a quarter full. So that would be even safer again. Yes, uh, and uh, I hear what you're saying in, in that, and I heard the uh, Netflix webinar the other day, uh, PJ, but they also made statements like that the level of infections out there was still threatening the reopening of schools and the virus itself um, was most active in 20 to 50-year-olds. Um, you know, like, and a lot of our teachers are in that age category. You know, so um, uh, while while uh, the, the method advice um, came out, it didn't it allay the fears of teachers and SMAs out there. You know, that the schools were ultimately safe places to be. Yeah. Uh, like there uh, are many uh, other people, Mary. There are many other workers, and one would class teachers and SNAs absolutely as working on the front line. But there are thousands of other people working on the front line through this wave and through the last wave and through the first wave. They have no choice. They just had to go and do it. Yes, and 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 uh, I absolutely admire and appreciate the, what the healthcare uh, workers are doing for this country, uh, PJ, every day they have to go in, but they, you know, they, they, uh, and, and, and they are, you know, flying the flag for Ireland on it, you know, but they, their, um, their safety measures are absolutely robust. This third wave is so virulent, you know, we do need additional measures in place. We need um, those daily figures to drop and uh, we need serious testing, you know, which helps the government. And the conflicting advice, too, is is absolutely, um, you know, causing an awful lot of anxiety. On the one hand, we have Tony Holohan, you know, um, uh, practically uh, begging us to stay at home, uh, to work from home, and um, and to keep the, the, the transmission rates down. And a lot of the, the, the... We are still providing the service, PJ. The service hasn't gone away. Teachers are actually working harder than ever with their online teaching and, and learning. Um, they, even after school hours, they do check in with parents. Um, SNAs are actually making phone calls. You know, special education needs uh, teachers are making phone calls. And it was happening to listen yesterday um, to a parent on the radio who spoke about she has a, a child with a hearing impairment. And to have a live lesson, you know, with sign language 
and that oh, heart side that, that's, that's all absolutely brilliant but but the, the fact remains and and fair play to everybody who's doing that and let's not let's not you know let that go without being credited but mary are you not aware and this listener asked this question like are you not aware that we're now probably the only first world country who has closed additional needs schooling again like in the north the special schools are back the special schools are back, um, TJ, and and a lot and some of the, and lots of the schools are open, but in but it's it, uh, it's it's a different um, system up there. There is a, a robust risk assessment in place. Um, you know, social distancing is um, is adhered to, and in the north, uh, TJ, teachers are not asked to teach. What is actually happening there is they teach online. And they provide supervised learning in the school for pupils. Um, if, the, if the school deems that it, it's on a school by school basis up there, if the school deems there are too many pupils um, in school at any one time, uh, they do their risk assessment. Um, it, it, um, they're, they're very measured, it's very well organised, and schools in advance of each day must know how many children are going to be in the school building by 2.30 p.m. So it's an absolute, you know, a different kind of, I suppose, um, jurisdiction there as well. Um, but if the school in the north feels it's not safe to open the school with schools and, um, um, you know, and override the government guidelines on it, you know, so it's down, it's on, a, you know, an individual school by school basis up there. Mm. But uh, just so, so you clear, don't accept you don't accept the general tone, I think, of the newspapers today, Mary, which are very definitely pointing the finger at the unions and saying. We can't open the special classes because of you guys. You don't accept that. I, I what I, um, what I'm saying to PJ, like uh, our, our, you know, our union, our NTO union, like we have always, um, you know, been being constructive with government all the way along, and with the departments in the way along, and this is our duty and my responsibility as well to protect our members there. We have a, a lot of teachers, uh, you know, the, the groundswell of concern and anxiety and genuine fear from teachers was absolutely palatable. And um, teachers themselves have children with special education needs. Teachers themselves are in the high-risk categories. And uh, and teachers are willing to go back to the, to the school and to face-to-face and um, a lot of teachers would much prefer to be inside in the classroom, uh, PJ, than teaching online. But um, the reality is that the, the, the figures and the debt rates, you know, um, um, is causing, you know, massive anxiety out there and fear. So, you know, it behoves us as, as, um, as trade unions um, to protect our members. Okay. Um, Bri- and, briefly, and also, briefly, Mary, to finish... To protect just to the pupils it. in our schools, because okay, adults spread the disease as well, you know, among each other and among and, and to children. Sure. Um, just just um, to finish and briefly, schools in general are, are due back on the first of February. Are, yes. are your members happy at this stage that that can happen? Well, we, we, we are going to be working towards that, and I know the departments are going to be working towards that. And every day counts, PJ. The numbers, you know, uh, back um, earlier on in the year, we had figures of 8,000. It has dropped 
significantly now because society has, um, you know, adhered to um, the CMO's advice by staying at home. The, the trends or the figures have dropped down to 2,000. And day by day, every day, I would imagine these figures will hopefully continue on a downward trend. Hmm. Um, and, and we certainly... But, but as uh, we sit, as we speak this morning on, on, the, on the 20th of uh, January with yes. 31 days in January, so in other words, what, 12 days before you're due to go back, would you be confident this morning, Mary Magner, to lead your members back hmm. into school? I, like, I can't tell the future more, no more so than yourself. No, as of but today, I, as, of this, can, as of this I, moment, as of this moment. As, as of this moment, what I, can, what I can assure you is that we were doing our utmost um, to get back to, the, to school as, as soon as yes, it is. Yes, yes, but if, if, hang on, but if what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at you with you is if Norma Foley, the minister, said this afternoon we're reopening the schools tomorrow or Monday say would you do it well we haven't we haven't directed any of our members um, uh, you know not to return but even but we must look at it in the context PJ or PJ um, it's what I say to you you know so um, again I I, like, I, I you know I, I, I don't want to be repeating myself you know but um, you know uh, there are 93 families affected yesterday and you know by Sad, sad losses, you know, and, yes. and that figure, um, you know, we've been led to believe could go higher, you know. So um, when you have those kind of, you know, that dark and sobering news, you know, it certainly um, it doesn't end. But we, what, what I can assure people out there, and um, we will work towards it, and, and hopefully the schools will reopen in a safe way um, as soon as possible. One of the things that comes in repeatedly and, and uh, it comes in on text, it comes in on, on the phone and it's coming again this morning in this form. If teachers were put on a COVID payment, you'd be back in tomorrow. Well, uh, I think when I, I thought my initial uh, response to that is, is probably a bit in the disingenuous teachers are very diligent uh, workers and um, as I speak you know a, a lot of teachers um, have are working all day long now today uh, providing online um, um, online teaching and learning for their pupils but not only that when the school days end they will spend hours upon hours at home and working to prepare for the are following they doing the same day. are they doing the same working day they are doing the same. A lot of them are doing the same working day. It depends on, um, you know, on, on each individual school and each individual class and what the needs are there. Obviously, the younger children aren't able to sustain that level of concentration. You know, you know. So you have to tailor your teaching to, you know, to the, the age level and the capacity of, of of the children in front of you. But um, teachers. So one, one of our callers was suggesting uh, um, that maybe a, a reduced wage while teachers are, are working from home? Um, they may suggest this, but, you know, um, I, don't, I don't think that's, you know, kind of, it's a constructive way to go forward. You know, what we need to do is try to get back in and, and reopen schools in a safe way. 
Uh, Mary, uh, I, I leave it at that. I leave it yeah. at that point with you, and I thank you for taking uh, my call this morning. And you know, one day soon, everybody will get back into class. We hope. Thank you. That's Mary Magner. She's the president of the Irish National Teachers Organisation. Teacher hailing from Castletown Roach in County Cork. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The opinion line on Cork's ninety six FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two one one Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie. The drama is sensational. That's eighty. Oh, he's done it. It's an equaliser. It's stoppage time. And it's all right here. Greenish for seven. Join me, Trevor Welch, on 96fm.ie for the Premier League Live online, powered by TalkSport. Go, go. Join us Saturdays as we bring you pre-match analysis with some of the biggest names in the game. Live commentary, exclusive interviews, and don't miss the post-match breakdowns. Go, go. The Premier League Live Online With Now TV Stream live Premier League action With a Now TV Sky Sports or Sports Extra Pass Listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app Or see 96FM.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 0833 On Cork's 96FM now, for anybody who is saying, well, the teachers should have their pay cut while they're working at home, you're kind of saying in the same breath that I should have my pay cut because I'm working from home. I think, I think anyone who's doing a full day's work from home shouldn't lose their pay. And they are still working a full day at home, most of them, to be absolutely fair about it. Maeve says, as a parent of a student with special educational needs with a very serious underlying condition, I'm so glad the schools aren't opening. I felt I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. If Norma Foley feels so strongly about it, she should have led by example and went back into the classroom herself. And as an SNA, I'm going to be online uh, for the rest of the day with children, just for now until hopefully the 1st of February. We, can't, we just have to stay at home until this virus slows down. I can't wait to get back. I totally get it with children with severe needs and some can't do a Zoom because their needs don't allow them to concentrate for that long. These are the children and the parents that I feel most sorry for. I ring a lot, says this caller. Wayne, I'll drop that song. I'll go straight to the to the break after I'm done here. I, I ring a lot criticising the coverage on the opinion line with regards to teachers. I'm pleased with PJ this morning for the way he questioned the union rep the big unions are, as I said before, just flexing their muscles. A proper policy would be to protect only vulnerable teachers and look after them well, but not have the rest of them hide behind them. I feel so strongly about this that I'd like to organise a parents' protest online or a march in Dublin if such a thing were possible. Probably not, though, over the COVID regulations. The only thing I'd say to you, caller, about trade unions uh, is that I would love for every worker in this country, and this might start a whole new conversation, which is fine, let it. I would love for every worker in this country to have this, a, a trade union behind them with the same strength and muscle as a teacher's union. I, I really would, because one thing you won't be allowed to do by their unions is you won't be allowed to kick teachers around. 
Now, there's more nuance to it than that, I guess. But I'm sick to death of teachers and SNAs at this stage. It's a disgrace they're not back teaching and mentoring our kids. If the government put them all on the PUP, they wouldn't be long getting back to work. Their credibility is shot, and the majority of the country are not on their side. I question the majority. I would indeed, because an awful lot of the comments coming in from parents especially, and particularly from parents in the special need bracket, they are behind their teachers. But then, I work in construction. I don't believe for one second we're forced into work or risk our jobs. Teachers and SNAs get paid in full to stay at home. Are my loved ones less vulnerable or less important? If they can stay safe at home, why can't we? I'm a very angry and upset parent of two boys with special needs. I can't come on air. It's not feasible with a full house. Our family has been through the mill in this pandemic. Online learning isn't working. We're getting no sleep, constant violent meltdowns, and they are regressing. What about the mental health of our kids and families? Other children in the house are also suffering. It's a horrific situation. Some schools were ready to open and should be given the chance to do so. The INTO need to come back to reality and realise how serious the impact on families their decision is. It's not good enough. Think about the children for once. Well, their argument would be that that's exactly what they are doing. 1850-715-996. I, I don't know how much support there is for the stance of the teachers. I sense there's a fair bit. I sense there's a fair bit. Um, I, I, I don't like the idea... And I said this yesterday, and I stand over it. I don't like the idea that Norma Foley just announced that they would be reopening the classes without sitting down with the unions to try to organise it. Because there is an old saying, and an old and true saying, nothing about us without us. Here's one. Please read this out. This is my timetable. I'm an SNA. 9.20, staff call to discuss the layout of the day. 10 o'clock to 10.20, class Zoom call for exercise. 10.30 to 11, videos for the children for work that day. 11.30 to 12.15, class Zoom call, circle time and work. 12.15 to 12.30, individual calls to parents and children. 1 o'clock, staff call to discuss further work. After this, I might have my lunch and then homeschool my own four children who are all online. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Yeah, Dr. Mike Ryan of the World Health Organization has been commenting about schools and teachers. We're going to turn that over and let you hear it there in a couple of minutes. Uh, it gets interesting. Uh, he's been saying about schools and teachers and blaming and this and that and the other. Mixed bag in the calls, I have to say, and the messages with regards to teachers. A lot of people supporting the SNAs, supporting the teachers and saying, look, we need to look after the children. They're the most important. And then not a lot of love on the other side of the room. Uh, PJ, the government want SNAs back, but they won't allow occupational therapists or others who deal with special needs as they deem it to be too dangerous. I don't think, for example, you can get uh, speech and language therapy uh, in person at the moment. I'm open to correction on that, but I know it wasn't available 
for an awful long time. The majority of people commenting or questioning the work of SNAs haven't got the slightest clue what they do. My mother is an SNA for over 20 years. She loves the children she looks after. She's been on calls daily since they started working from home. She's also high risk, though, and says she won't become another death statistic to please Norma. For those who suggest pay cuts, I would suggest they educate themselves on the day-to-day activities of an SNA, both now, at home and in school. You won't be long realising it's a pay increase they need. Also, let's just be kind. Times are shite enough without us all at one another's throats, which, which is very, very true. And a good SNA, and I said this before and I've said it again, I'll continue to say it for as long as I've breathed in my body that allows me to do so. A good SNA changes lives. That's just simple. If you ever come into that field, I hope you don't. I hope you never. I hope your child never needs a, needs a special needs assistant because you know you you want your child to go through life never needing that kind of help. But if your child ever needs an SNA, remember this: that a good SNA can change lives and does change lives. My sister's an SNA. I'm delighted she's not going back. They don't have a good level of PPE. Sometimes they've none at all. They have no training in how to maintain COVID safety with children who have needs. It would be a disaster. I'm sick listening to that lady. I presume this means the teachers' union rep, Mary Magner. I am a frontline worker in a Cork hospital. I have three children at home with no childcare for them. I'm lucky my children have no special needs, but I feel for all those children with special needs and their parents. I'm totally stressed trying to work and mind my children with no support, so I feel for all those families. Online teaching doesn't work for us who have to go out to work. The teachers' unions are running the country. I'm not sure if you have that ready yet, Wayne. Uh, You may have. Uh, This is Mike Ryan, Dr. Mike Ryan, from the World Health Organization. He has been commenting... Uh, in the last while about this whole school and teachers situation. Yes, there is an issue around how much and to what extent children participate in transmission. There are real issues around how schools can be reopened safely, but the best and safest way to reopen schools is in the context of low community transmission that has been effectively suppressed by a broad-based comprehensive strategy. We can't move from let's deal with the schools and then we all deal with that for a week or two and then let's deal with the workplace or then let's deal with infection in hospitals or long-term care facilities. This is playing whack-a-mole. We have got to focus on a comprehensive long-term strategy that focuses on everything at one time. But we can't turn schools into yet another political football in this game. Uh, it's, it's not fair on our children. So we have to look at this carefully in the light of the transmission in any given country or any given setting. And we have to make decisions that are based on the best interests of our children be it their educational or their health interest. And that must be based on data. That must be based on understanding the risks in the specific setting in which schools are. If we suppress the virus in our society, in our communities, then our schools can open safely. And there are many countries around the world in which schools are reopening successfully and safely because countries have dealt with the real problem, community transmission. I get a very clear message from Mike Ryan there, even though he doesn't refer to Ireland specifically. He's basically, I think anyway, saying that our community transmission is presently too high to be going back to school. That's what I'm hearing. 
I don't know if you're hearing the same. We might listen to it again later on. 1850-715-996, the number. The text or WhatsApp, 83 96 The email opinion at 96am.ie. Morgan has called the show, and I'm sorry to keep you waiting, Morgan. Morgan, you wanted to talk about our vaccination programme, that it's not ambitious enough. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Oh, look, I keep it fairly short. All I'm saying the difference between Ireland and England. I've got two sisters in England all their lives. Margaret's 75, Lily's 73, I think. Margaret got a phone call last Monday morning. Did she want the vaccine done? She said, of course she did. She who, phoned who the other sister. Morgan? Um, I presume the... Local clinic the, or something was... Yeah, yeah well, I, I actually don't know who for, but she got the call anyway. Right, right. And she phoned me other sister to know this. She's only living about 10 minutes away from my mother in Dunstable. So she, she wasn't able to get in the car. So she said, phone your GP and ask him. And she phoned him. And the two of them got the injection Tuesday, yesterday. Crikey. So now, there's the difference between... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. But they're not essential workers on that night. They're retired, obviously. And mm. they're done in Ireland, you know, the population in England now, like. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're in their seventies, so they'd be a key yeah, group all, in yeah. this wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so a call, a call today, or a call and yesterday. Done, a call Monday and don't the following day. Wow, wow. And like that, you can take that and hold it granted. Do you understand me? Yeah, yeah, and that's that. That's that's fast. That that's impressive. Yeah, but there's a difference yeah. now between Ireland and England in this. Yeah, when I don't know what age you are, Morgan, and what kind I'm of you to. You're 70, so you, you probably will get a, a call. I probably for... will in about five years' time here, yeah. <laughs> well, according to the chart that they put out at the weekend, probably around March sometime, early March. Yeah, that's up. We'll, we'll are you in, re- are you in reasonable here. health? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You think it's too slow, yeah. though? Well, <laughs> I certainly do. Um, one other last thing there on PJ before I go, just as sure. the, the teachers' union and all that, I'm just going to say this now about one thing. It must be the only country in the world where a union is telling the government what to do. Mm. Because, I mean, the government wanted them to, you know, that's all I'm going to say now. All right. I don't think we tolerate it anywhere else where a union can dictate to the government. But that's my opinion anyway, all right, PJ? Mm. All right, appreciate it, Morgan. Thank you for the call. 1850-715-996. Morgan has two sisters in the UK. He's 70 himself. His sisters, Margaret and Lily, are in the UK in their mid-70s, 76 and 73 or 4. And they got a call. One of them got a call Monday to know, did she want her vaccine? Of course she does. So she got booked in and she got her jab at Tuesday. And she then rang her sister and says, come here. Were they on to you? Uh, yeah, ring, ring your doctor there because they're giving out the vaccines. And they both got their jab at Tuesday. And Morgan says that is the way it should be happening here. And, you know, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Uh, there is a chart that came out. I referred to a chart. You'll find it now. It was a Fine Gael chart, or Fine Gael published it, uh, which means, obviously, it's got their particular spin upon it. But most people in most categories will be injected by yeah, the end of the summer the end of the summer I was looking at it my own category and based on my age and my relative state of health which thankfully is extremely good uh, generally speaking I will get my vaccine sometime sometime between the middle of April and the start of June and you know what that's alright I, 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 I'd love to get it faster I'd like to be able to get it tomorrow if I wanted it but I'll, I'll wait around I'll wait 
1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover on Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. The takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Court's 96FM. We still have stuff coming in on teachers and SNAs and schools, and I'm happy to go back to it. Uh, and we we'll just go through some more of your comments as they come in. I'm just trying to gauge the general mood, though. Not just of people who have a connection to special education, but from people who don't, uh, how they generally feel about the the cancellation of the return tomorrow for special needs classes. It tends to vary between they should stay there until another is safe. I think a lot of people will take great heed to what Mike Ryan of the WHO is saying. And then others are saying things like Morgan just said on the radio there, and others are saying, should the teachers' unions are running the country? I'd just like to gauge your, your general feelings. But remember Friday? Was it Friday? I think it was. We were talking about little Ian. Ian is uh, a horse, it's a tiny little foal, and uh, was discovered wandering and clearly in some kind of pain around, up around the meadows in Holly Hill. Um, and uh, yeah, we, had, we talked about him on Monday in a bad way. Now, he was brought in by my lovely horse rescue who are doing their wonderful work and trying to get him sorted we hope that he'll be okay it wasn't looking too good for him uh, the last time we were talking but um, we also got many other messages and calls about horses on the north side and particularly horses around the meadows uh, it seems to be an ongoing problem around the meadows in holly hill lisa that's you you can see some horses f- from where you're talking to me right now good morning Morning. Yeah, well, I took the picture of them this morning at about nine. I was just making the bed and three little horses were just strolling past my window. Right. And you live inside in the estate, yeah? I'm in the meadows, yeah. But look, I can show you pictures of horses here last January. You know, it seems to be ongoing. Mm. At this time of year, we seem to have a lot of, you know, poor little horses soaking wet, look hungry. Not that I know anything about horses. I sent a picture on to my friend who has stables and she didn't think they looked well, you know. So I rang the city council, I rang the guards and they're still, they're still just here. Hmm. Any you know? idea where they come from? Personally, I don't have any idea. But I do know people know. They just don't seem to want to say it. You know, because we have a Facebook page for the Meadows right. and there might be a comment with, look, we all know who owns them. I actually don't. Right. But I'm like, if you know who owns them, I mean, I have a dog. If I treated my dog like that, I'd be in court. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they're just... Or if you left your dog wander like that, you'd be fined. Yeah, and I mean, I have a lurcher and she's an absolute... Like, if a leaf goes past the window, she goes mental. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? 
And here she is now looking at big giant horses going, what's going on here like? Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Does it upset you to see them out there? I love animals, you know what I mean? But I don't understand all animals. When they're in the field, I feed them. I feed everything, do you know what I mean? But mm. the fear is if I try and feed them while they're loose or try and do anything, that they'll stampede or they'll, you know, take off. It's too dangerous for anyone who doesn't have any skill with horses to try and help. They're skittish. They could be very, if they're, if they're sick or if they're scared or if they're hungry, they could be very skittish and they could draw a kick on you and you wouldn't want that. No, and do you know what? They look miserable. They just, it's, it's just heartbreaking. And to be honest, like when we first moved here, we had the laugh about the rubber bandit song, you know, your Honda Civic, we have a horse outside. We literally had a horse in our drive, PJ, one morning. And myself and my husband were rolling around laughing, thinking it was funny at the time, you know, that this actually happened. But now it's happening so often. They look so unwell. You know, they're not safe because, like, kids are going to, you know, try and get a reaction off them. And there's cars going, coming up and down the estate. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of time before someone gets hurt. Yes, or an animal that's killed or whatever. Exactly, did you see the little damage. Did, did you see the little fellow last week, the guy we were talking about earlier in the week, Ian, I, did you I see I didn't, him? yeah, but Ian, one of the neighbours here, he's fantastic for kind of reaching out to the other neighbours, letting us know what's going on. I didn't personally see him, but I, I took pictures of the other ones and sent them in. Okay. But I mean, you, rang, you said you rang the council this morning. Um, I did. Any yeah. response? Well, do you know what? I have to say, everyone is very friendly and efficient on the phone. But, like, I mean, they're sick of me now at this stage. You know what I mean? It's like, hi, it's me again there. You know the horses. And what and do the guards say, Lisa, when you ring them? Well, they're, they're wondering how they're getting in here. And I'm saying to them, someone's letting them in. Somebody is actually coming to the estate and just letting them loose. Yeah, because describe the area around the estate for me. I don't know it. I, I know yeah. that area reasonably well, but I, I don't know the meadows. So is it a big estate, mm. small estate? How, it's what's a big it surrounded estate. By? We're, we're very lucky because to the left we have like the little and all that. You know, if you want to go mm. to the shop and to the right of us, there's farms. So there's mm. fields, lots of fields. You know, and are there are fences between you and the fields. There are fences. There are. And sometimes they might be little bits cut out of the fences you notice that, but they're fixed. But, like, the thing about these horses, it's it's the same time of year every year since we've moved here, you know, so it's it's recurring. There's a a pattern to it. What's the pattern? Like I said, I could send you pictures from January of last year of horses roaming our estate. Do you know what I'm saying? And, like, that horse that was in my drive, two guys just drove up in a van and just pulled it. Now, Again, I have no clue on how to treat a horse, but to me it seems very cruel the way they kind of... Continue that bit. Two guys... Came into my drive, yeah. Came into my drive and, like, they really kind of... Do you know the way you pull your dog when they're going a bit mad or whatever? They beat and pulled that horse. And I was like, oh, my God, you know what I mean? And I, to be quite honest, I was way too shocked to even react. And... Like, I kind of, I put it to the back of my mind saying that didn't even happen. I didn't so they dragged the horse away and they, they beat dragged it up into it. a trailer. They beat the horse and it's just, like, again, you know, you see horses, whatever, people keep them a tap of a stick. This mm. was proper kind of, 
you're going to do what we're telling you to do, like. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, it was looking in my front window at that stage, so I just kind of didn't want it in my drive, if you get me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I honestly feel like, you know, with all the animals, especially, you know, once we can keep indoors and we love and all that, we have rules, yet there's nothing there to protect the horses. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, you know? listen, thank you very much for that. No uh, we do appreciate the call. Now you've got some pictures um, about, of the horses. Thanks. That's Lisa in, in the meadows. Some interesting things that she said there, like there's a pattern to this. It always seems to happen around this time of the year that horses get released onto the estate from whence and where. I think, let's be fair about it, you could probably do a trace in your mind and and you'd know very quickly at least you'd have a very good notion very quickly of who was involved in releasing horses into a housing estate wherever they're coming from and then she describes that picture of waking up one morning there's a horse in the driveway and two fellas pull up in a van and they drag and they poke and they belt that horse into the back of the van 1850-715-996. You have to wonder what the guards are supposed to do. Well, actually, no, you don't. You find the owners. Find the owners. Because if my dog gets out of here and is out without a lead and gets in trouble, I'm liable to a fine uh, when they trace my dog's microchip. But there's nothing on, on that with regard to horses. As far as I know, right, back to vaccines. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, PJ. This is just a quick one now because I would be too versed on talking on the radio. But You're doing all right me... so far. Keep going. Thanks, PJ. It makes me as mad as hell. I've been on to you since December and then I hear you saying, ah, sure, look, if I get the vaccine at the end of March or maybe September or maybe when the next bus comes along, it'll be fine. Well, it's not, PJ. This is a war that we're fighting. Uh, and under the old figures where, unfortunately, if you were... 10 people to get uh, corona, 1% will die. Now, I have a feeling that this figure has gone way up with the new strain that's out there, and it's likely to get worse. The European Union are only sitting at the end of this month to say whether a vaccine is good enough to use or not. This is the wrong approach on how to deal with this vaccine, and unfortunately, delay means death. That's all I have to say, PJ. Yeah, I suppose we do have to, just briefly, Dennis, we do have to say we have to wait, first of all, for approval, and then we get stock in, and then you have to start with the most vulnerable, don't yeah. you? Why does somebody have to wait to the end of this month to sit down to say that a vaccine is going to be safe? We're going to say this vaccine is going to be safe anyway. They could have it, if they treated it with the urgency that this virus is causing, they should sit down tonight look at all the facts and say, yeah, there you go. Now, sourcing it. Uh, why have we not gone outside Europe to source? The Russians have the Sputnik vaccine. The English have a vaccine over there that we could ask them, look at, supply us. So that well, we- that's, that's the next, that seems to be the next one that will be licensed for here anyway at the end of the month. But you're right, we should be able to go and get it from them now, shouldn't we? And issue an emergency license, which we exactly. have the power to do. This should be we put have the on power a, to do that. We have the power to do it, and w- this should be put on a war footage. This vaccine or this virus is killing people now. Mm. The, do you see any mass vaccination places being set up? 
The government is sitting, they can't even deal with the teachers. Well, well, well Dr John Sheehan, the former Lord Mayor, was, was telling me here Monday morning that the City Hall, the, the convention centre in the City Hall, or the concert hall, has been identified for use as a mass, vac- mass vaccination centre. They just don't know when it'll actually open. That's right. That's one place. I'm sure that's not going to deal with the majority of people. Now, another thing, now I may stand corrected on this, but the government are saying that, uh, oh, if everything goes well now, we're going to get uh, 100,000 vaccines a week. Mm. Now, at the last count, I think there was about 5 million people. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this country. Give or take. Yeah. Give, or t- give or take. That is going to take the full bones of a year before everybody gets this vaccine. And, that, and everybody has an entitlement to get this vaccine now. Hmm. So, is it fine to say that there's people going to die uh, if if it's one percent? I doubt it. Now, I think this is so virulent that it's going to be it's the figures way higher, the amount of people who are going to die in the future. And you look to your loved ones and say, "Well, look, it's sure we could get the vaccine now in the end of May or September." But unfortunately, you'll be dead. I see your point, Dennis. Yes. I see. And, and I think maybe, I don't know, there's someone else on the comments here this morning. I'll read it in a minute. Someone yeah. gently remonstrating with me for saying, well, look, I think I'm in the category sometime between the middle of April and the end of June. And I said, yeah. well, sure, I'm OK with that. I, I'm not yeah. really OK with that. Fine. Initially, I thought I'd be September. Yeah. But I, if, I, if I thought I could get it in, in, in April to June, then, you know, it. I, I'd, I'd feel much better. If I thought I could get it next week, I'd, yeah. I'd be delighted. Yeah. And and just on a lighter point, in, uh, mm. the, the seriousness of this thing, lots of people are... The, the HSC cannot run the hospital, never mind deal with a pandemic. Remember, you couldn't go to the hospital at the weekend. You were going to be on a trolley. 
we're sending people up to Northern Ireland to get essential um, uh, surgery. Mm. These people should there should be one person appointed who's competent to do to deal with this. So well, a lot of people are saying that now that you appoint either a senior minister or you go into the expert pool and you pick someone like, say, Dr. Lambert, who is on with me regularly here, and you put that person in charge of the vaccine situation. Exactly. And you say, they, they tell the government what's needed and the government needs to deliver it. That seems to be a very, very popular idea. Dennis, thank you for your call. And listen, don't ever again say you're not good at talking on the radio. You've been grand. Thanks, PJ. Much obliged. Great again. program. Cheers, bye. Thank you. Thanks. That's Dennis. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Tom in Blackpool says that man has many good points, but he fails to understand one thing. The first job of work is to make sure the EU are happy, Pfizer are happy, the doctors are happy, and the chemists are happy. Only then do they think of how to roll it out fast. Well, we could. I, I don't like this notion that we're not going to give out emergency licenses. We could. We could buy in uh, a shed load of Oxford vaccine, which is licensed in the UK. We could buy in a shed load of that. Buy it. Don't mind the EU giving it to us. Buy it. Buy in a shed load of it. Issue an emergency license and start jabbing. We could do that. There would be no breach of any European Union rules, to the best of my understanding, in actually doing that. But we've decided not to. You'd wonder why. 1850-715-996. I've always said it, and I'll say it again. When we come out for our own, nobody in Cork, nobody can compete with us. Uh, Katrina Toomey was on with me about an hour ago talking about the various issues to do with the, the pandemic and the poverty that it's causing and the agony that it's causing for families. And at the end of it, she said, do you mind if I ask you something? She said she had a family at the moment in dire need of an electric cooker. Uh, and I know that with Katrina, all we need to do is find the thing. She'll arrange everything. There'll be a plumber or there'll be an electrician rather or someone will put it in. They'll arrange the lot. You just need to find us a cooker. We've had a call from a man in Cove. Not only does he have a cooker, but it's not even out of the wrapping. We've put them in touch. That's Cork for you. That is Cork. 1850-715-996. Just before I go to the break there, Wayne, this come in with regard to vaccines. And this is an important message. Hi, PJ. I'm very surprised no one is questioning. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. This is the one. Uh, my father got the vaccine 10 days ago in a nursing home. Since Monday, he now has COVID-19. He's 84. He's in a nursing home, as I said. There are many people with the COVID in that home. I thought when you get the vaccine that you can't get COVID. Somebody, I hope, has sat this person down and explained the situation to them. But, but here's the science. The Pfizer... Moderna, or sorry, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, which is the one they're giving out at the moment, Pfizer-BioNTech, that's about 90% effective four weeks after your second jab. After one dose, about half of all people a week after will have a reasonable level of immunity. That would be people with a good immune system anyway. So you don't have any dependable level of immunity after just one dose. So your dad got his one dose and obviously would have gotten his second dose in the fullness of time. He's just unlucky. He may even have been breeding the COVID 
when he got the jab and and that was no it was no good to him it wouldn't do any anything for him at this point in time i hope he'll be okay i absolutely hope he'll be okay but after if you get your jab today you have the Pfizer dose you've got no reaction for a week or two and then you get your second jab and there's another couple of weeks after that until your immune system is is ready to do its its business against COVID-19. It takes a while. It's not just like sticking a needle in your arm and, hey, presto, you're immune. It doesn't work like that. Your body has to learn, has to... How a vaccine works, your your body accepts the vaccine, looks what's in it, recognises the message the vaccine is delivering to the immune system. The the vaccine is saying to the immune system, hey, get ready for me, get ready for me, because the next time I come, you're going to have to fight me off. And that's what it does. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Cypress Avenue continues its winter song series this week with two great Irish artists taken to the stage to play live stream gigs from the Cork venue. Galway-based electronic artist Dougie plays on Friday night while he's joined on Sunday night by Andy Irvine on the venue's social media platforms. Access all areas. Rescheduled from April 2020, comedian Milton Jones returns to Cork with his new show Milton Impossible. The new rescheduled show takes place at the Opera House on Tuesday 27th of April with tickets on sale from CorkOperaHouse.ie Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up in 2021 or live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM Mentioned on yesterday's programme a tweet from the Lord Mayor of Cork, Joe Kavanagh, uh, to the opinion line that the Cork City Council had launched a special blue vest uh, for vulnerable people who were in need of that extra space when they're out. You know, we're all supposed to keep two metres from each other. Even when we're out now, we're told two metres, two metres, two metres. But for some people who are... I suppose medically vulnerable or indeed even a bit more nervous than the rest of us they they might want a lot more space and they might want to send a message please 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 don't come near me I'm out for a walk I'm medically vulnerable I'm afraid it's just me and me dog please leave me alone um, or don't don't come too near me because I'm, I'm nervous and, and people are entitled to feel like that there is a new jacket that you can now get from the council and you wear that and people will give you that little bit of extra space Lord Mayor Kavanagh good morning Good morning PJ how are you? Thank you for taking our call on the opinion I appreciate you you're, you're a busy man in, the, in these That's difficult times Always delighted to talk to you Where did this idea come from Joe? It came from um, we have a, a coordinated um, interagency uh, community response uh, agency inside in City Hall um, which was set up really uh, last in March 2020 and um, it, it literally crosses many many sectors 
of society. And this this came about, this Blue Vest initiative came about um, from one of our um, agencies out in um, Mahan, I think it was back in March uh, or April in 2020. Now, there's a lot of people out there, PJ, and I'm sure you, when you go out walking yourself, you might see somebody out walking on their own and you know they're nervous walking yeah. towards you. And everybody, I would encourage everybody to go get a bit of fresh air and a bit of exercise as often as they possibly can. And you don't have to engage with anybody. But what these vests, they're just luminous vests. They're blue in colour, so they do distinguish themselves. And at the back, there's a message um, asking for two metres space um, for, for, uh, for, for the person wearing the vest um, mm. as they're vulnerable. And this gives somebody a psychological I suppose security PJs probably as you uh, very eloquently uh, outlined it in your introduction. Uh, at the back it says, two, there's a picture of two people, two metres, and keep a safe distance. And I think that sends out its own message. <clears throat> and um, they are a great success. It's over 1,500 of these vests have been actually distributed right across the city. And, are are uh, they free I, of charge there? Oh, free of charge, yeah. Free of charge. There, and there, where there, can there, we get them? You can get them in the uh, community centres, and I've sent uh, Fergal there the uh, tele- a list of telephone numbers which you can speak up on your website, uh, on your on your social media forum. Hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of local areas right across the city, north side and south side, where you can make you can pick up the phone and ring up. And if they haven't got them in stock, the city council will get them out to them straight away. All right. Um, we we did a lot last time, or the first time out, about the various numbers that people could call, various initiatives that the yes. city and the county council was was doing. You, you've still got community call going and stuff like that. Yeah, 1800-222-226 is the central helpline. Right. 1800-222-226. That's open. That's five days a week, nine to five. Uh, basically, that's a, a city council customer support unit, and it forwards calls from the public uh, to the area coordinators of 16 defined um, areas around the city. And there's everything from the HSE, community work staff, um, people who basically need help, particularly during this COVID crisis. And, so you, you, um, you ring that number, you tell yeah. someone what you need, and they yeah. delegate a volunteer or a staff exactly. member to come to your area. And that might be something as simple as, as needing, needing a bit of shopping done? A bit of shopping delivered to your house. Um, it could be anything, PJ. It could be something to do which you could be concerned about. It could be a problem with your heating. They could be a, it's not really a housing maintenance line, no, to be quite frank and honest with you. Yeah. This is somebody that needs help uh, because there's a lot of people out there, PJ, um, who feel isolated, who feel vulnerable, particularly in these very, very challenging times. And to be quite honest with you, the, the, the customer uh, response forum that we have, uh, which we, and it's, it's a forum that meets online, um, we now meet fortnightly, and there's over there's 30 representatives on that forum from right across the city, from the chief superintendent right across to the HSE, um, you know, to, to officials in Cork City Council, mm. uh, the ETB, uh, you know, involved in schools, uh, TUSLA, you name it. Every organisation is represented on this forum right. and meet on a regular, regular basis uh, just to keep in touch. And in fact, these representatives would actually be in touch virtually on a daily basis just to in, just right. to relay certain issues from certain people to make sure all the dots are being joined and nobody is being left behind, PJ, which is of critical so, importance. So, and that's so what one eight hundred two 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 two. 
Sorry, sorry, Joe, to cut across you. 1-800-222-226. That's the one, yeah. That's the central number, yeah. yeah. Quick but question. But I've also sent Fergal um, uh, a list of the telephone numbers as well, PJ. Quick question before I let you go. Um, yeah. And we're, we're dealing with, with the various departments uh, off air with them. But uh, and you're, you're, you're a decent fella, Joe. And we've had a lot of people calling us over the last few weeks and months about delays with getting rads fixed and leaks yeah. fixed and all of that. Like, people yes. have been left waiting for weeks. You must have your own constituents coming to you with that. Can anything be done in there to speed up that kind of maintenance in the middle of a cold, wet winter? Yes. Uh, well, PJ, at the last council meeting, I proposed, believe it or not, um, a vote of congratulations, if you don't mind, to the housing maintenance team because I, I've put in at least... Um, eight or nine requests over the last three weeks uh, in relation to uh, exactly what you're talking about. Uh, people who are who are restricted to staying indoors and who are noticing things like a leak in the roof or a draft in the back bedroom or whatever the case may be. And you'll notice it particularly at this time of the year, of course. And in fairness to Cork City Council maintenance team, um, they have been exemplary. They're down in numbers as well, PJ, because uh, of the COVID situation. Mm. Um, yeah. But on top of that, um, I, I would encourage people that have issues to either contact their local councillor who will get on to a housing, uh, the housing maintenance team in here. And that gets referred on to the area engineer. And it's addressed. I mean, I've had issues addressed within 24 hours, PJ. Okay. And right. Okay. They're doing. They are doing the best they can, and I have to say, the housing maintenance team uh, that we have at the minute uh, are second to none, to be quite frank. And I know there are people out there who say, "No, oh, I'm waiting to get this done for the last five years," and so on. But my experience over the last eleven years as a councillor, um, in the last twelve months, I have seen a huge um, improvement in, in response time. Um, and in people getting back and dealing with issues out there that can be dealt okay. with immediately. Okay, okay. Well, here's here's hoping that the people who who've been on to us can get themselves sorted as quickly. Thank you very much, Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Cavanagh. That blue vest initiative. If you want one, if you want to get your hands on one, we will circulate the various numbers. I'm not going to read them all out. Circulate the various numbers on our social media and, and you can read them. And also the community call, which we did these every day during the first lockdown. And I, I, I think we should probably start doing them a bit more often again because people have forgotten that they're there. But community call was a brilliant initiative during the first lockdown. And the number for Cork City Council is one eight hundred two 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 six one eight hundred two 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 six. You might need a bit of shopping delivered. You might need something provided that you can't go out for. You might be stuck and just need someone to anything, any kind of a little job done for yourself. And there is a, a string or a whole network of volunteers and staff connected to that. So one eight hundred two 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 six. 1850-715-996. Let me go to this email. I sit in there for a little while and uh, I wanted to read it because people... Now, I, I happened yesterday, thankfully, thankfully, we're out of confinement now. Um, still restricting our movements, but out of confinement so you can pop out in the car for half an hour. Still kind of not doing anything. But I happened to be out in the car yesterday uh, with the missus for, for about an hour. And I have to say, the streets 
as I saw them, uh, were quieter. This would be mid-afternoon. They were quieter, but not as quiet by any shake as the first lockdown. First lockdown, we had tumbleweed. Uh, but this time, no. And it brought this email to mind, and I apologize to whoever sent it in um, because I've been waiting to do it for a couple of days. Are there ever, are there any restrictions at all? Really, PJ? I work in retail, and I can't put into words the frustration we all feel when we see hundreds and hundreds of customers in our shops every day wandering around as if they don't have a care in the world. I saw loads of people browsing makeup and all sorts of gifts in a chemist today. Can someone tell me how that's essential? Actually, those areas are supposed to be closed off, are they not? I couldn't count the number of kids being brought into the city, so you might as well open the schools if that's happening. Yes, we're all meant to be at this mythical level five, but compared to last March, sure, everyone seems to think they're essential. Coffee shops are open all over the place. People are congregating outside them for hours at a time. If that's allowed, why not leave the beer gardens open? So it's the same thing. This inept government need to either put us on an actual lockdown order or let us go back to living our lives. As what's going on at the moment is so frustrating and so pointless. Can you get someone on the show to explain why places like coffee shops are open and shops are allowed to sell non-essential goods? Thank you. That comes in from... An anonymous emailer working in, in, in retail. Lads, I'll hold out for, for Suzanne for a little bit longer because I need to remind people, I need to remind people that Cork's 96FM brings you the Premier League live exclusively online every weekend, powered by TalkSport. Saturday afternoons, Trevor Welsh has pre-match analysis with some of the biggest names in the game, live commentaries, exclusive interviews, and, of course, the all-important post, post-match Analysis. It's the Premier League Live online with Now TV. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sports on the Now TV Sports Extra Pass. Listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or indeed at www.96fm.ie. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1850-715-996, the number to call, the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96 with the hashtag OL96. And remember the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. You can message us there anytime. But please do mark your message for the attention of the opinion line. That way everybody else getting messages at every minute and hour of the day can pass them on to us. By the way, if you missed anything from our first couple of hours this morning, do remember that we put up a full podcast of the show every afternoon, early to mid-afternoon, once we've got it ready. And we put it up first to get a link on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter, that's the first place you'd find it. It then goes to the Cork's 96FM app. You'll find it there under podcasts or indeed any platform where you get a podcast. Just find us and follow us and it'll be updated for you every day every afternoon podcast of the opinion line catch up on anything you happen to miss on any given day 1850 715 996 lots more coming in about vaccines uh, and about teachers and there's not now to be fair there isn't a lot of love out there for teachers um, and SNAs there was a lot of it earlier a lot of sympathy for the position in which they find themselves and 
and all of that. But Bernie says she's fed up of listening about teachers. I have a member of my family working in a nursing home. Half the staff have had COVID working on the front line. They're finding it very hard to watch the teacher's situation unfold. They don't have the choice to not go into work. These children need constant supervision, says this call. They need supervision and assistance to understand the world and how to do things. Compared to the hands-on approach required, all of this online stuff is a pale shadow. The teachers and SNAs, here we go again, the teachers and SNAs that deal with special needs should be put on a COVID payment. It's not the dole, it's more. So the online work can be paid for at the COVID rate. 1850-715-996. There's lots more. I'll do one of the vaccine ones before I move on. I'm going to look ahead now to the inauguration of President Joe Biden in Washington, D.C. Uh, this afternoon. But before I go there with regards vaccines. Hi, PJ. I'm very surprised no one is questioning how we're getting seven vaccine doses from a vial which is measured for five. The vial is the little bottle that they come out of. Uh, And who got all the rest of them besides those hospitals we now know of? Are we going to have another scandal at the end of this saying enough doses weren't given to recipients and therefore it's not effective and needs to be redone? The vials are measured to exact doses regarding the amount of mls per syringe so why can we get seven when everyone else is getting five kind regards from rose it's an interesting one it's one rose that i queried myself at the weekend we were told that there would be initially five doses per vial per little bottle Uh, now there are seven coming out of some uh, and extra coming out of others the reason would appear to be and again uh, fergal on the executive research desk has been battering away to try to find out why this might be happening. There is apparently a global shortage of vials, little bottles, the exact right size. So there's no shortage of the vaccine. So what they're doing is they're using pretty much every vial they can get their hands on. So the machine that fills the vial fills it to a point where the machine, the computer in the machine knows it's full. So therefore, out of some you're getting the five, but some are bigger and minuscule bigger. So you get seven out of that. That seems to be how it's happening. Uh, There might be a better scientific explanation, but that's what Fergal has been able to find out. But there is a shortage with the number of vaccines ramping up and the number of billions of doses eventually that will have to go worldwide. That seems to be the explanation. Some bottles are bigger than others. Very simple, isn't it? 1850-715-996. Now... This afternoon uh, in Washington, D.C., Joe Biden, the uh, descendant of the Bluets from Mayo and the Finnegans from Loud, will be inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States. The ceremony is at 5 o'clock Irish time, which is 12 noon Washington, D.C. time. It's about uh, 6 in the morning over there now, just gone 6 in the morning, which means Trump is probably up and in the jacks and tweeting already. Or yeah, No, he can't tweet, so he's probably looking at who else he's going to pardon because he hasn't pardoned uh, your man from Tiger King yet. And everyone was saying he would pardon your man from Tiger King, but he hasn't done it yet. He could still do it, though, because he's, he's president officially until midday their time, uh, 5 o'clock our time. But the inauguration of President Biden will happen on the steps of the Capitol where two weeks ago, the exact same place where two weeks ago we saw those unbelievable scenes. Remember we were gripped to CNN and Fox News and Sky 
for hours on a, on a Wednesday night. I was I was taking down the Christmas tree and was looking at what, what, what the hell is that? And we sat there for hours looking at these unbelievable scenes of, of what's being called an insurrection in the Capitol building and fellas climbing in windows and occupying offices and all of that. Just a riot is what you'd call it. So two weeks on from that, we've got the inauguration happening this afternoon in the United States. And John Pinar, who spent many years as a senior political correspondent with BBC, John is now the presenter of the Drive Time Show on Times Radio, which is our international sister station in the family of stations in our group, the Wireless Group. Times Radio is our international sister station, and I've been talking to John Pinar about preparations for the inauguration. John, thank you for talking to us. You're presenting your Times radio show uh, from Washington, D.C. this week. You tell us this is your first inauguration in all your years as a political journalist. Interesting one to choose. It is, yeah. I mean, if I'd been to a dozen, you know, or or 25, I'm not quite old enough for 25 inaugurations. This would still be a unique experience, wouldn't it? I mean, you just have to look around this city, which I know reasonably well. It's like nothing, not in the eye, but anyone has ever seen seen before. It's a strange combination, PJ, of being highly militarised, yet still eerily, eerily quiet. So down in the downtown area, you'd have seen the pictures, the area, not just at the White House and the Capitol building where we had that appalling invasion on January the 6th, but around the entire area for many, many, many blocks, you have eight-foot-tall fences with razor wire on top of them. You've got troops from National Guard divisions across the United States of America and every territory. You've got federal agencies, agents from every U.S. federal agents, and, of course, the cops, the local cops, the capital cops. It's a massive, massive security presence. And it has the effect of turning this whole place, this whole experience, into something entirely, entirely surreal at at this moment of, frankly, to use the the cliched word, an historic moment, a turning point. It doesn't necessarily reflect what we would consider the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. No, I mean, it's it's a it's a perfect contrast with with all of that. Of course, you know, on any normal inauguration, the Mao leading up to the Capitol steps would be thronged with tens and tens of thousands of people. Now, what we will have is we'll have J-Lo, we'll have uh, we'll have Lady Gaga up there on the steps. We'll have Justin Timberlake. There will be a performance, but it will be seen by millions upon millions of people virtually on TV screens and on their on their laptops. There'll be a show. Tom Hanks is hosting a big spectacular. Also, you know, you can see that on your laptop, on your TV screen. It's not going to be the kind of thing we associate with a celebration of democracy, I think, which is what an inauguration, a transfer of power is supposed to be about. Maybe what it is is a demonstration of the resilience of democracy because of all of the, the trials that this country has been through in recent hours, days and weeks. It is still, in that sense, the, the democracy that we, we know. Go back to the... Uh, incidents of two weeks ago, the shocking scenes we watched unfold on our television. Is there any danger at all that something like that could unfold during the ceremony or around the time of the ceremony? No, not not like that. I mean, I mean, the, the security presence will absolutely guarantee no one is no one is going to be invading the Capitol building or invading uh, the ceremony itself. I mean, you've got, as I say, tens of thousands of military military vehicles. The security it could not possibly really be surpassed. So you won't see that. But of course, the place is going to be 
on maximum alert for some kind of disorder because there's a very real fear of that of that happening. I and mean, when I arrived in this in this this town at, at the weekend, the very next day on a Sunday, the expectation was that there could be a, a, an invasion, marches here in D.C., but across America, of armed pro-Trump protesters. And a real fear that could lead to disorder or violence and could be accompanied by some sort of domestic terror terror incident. So, as you'd expect, got into town, headed down with my, my producer, Ollie, with a, with a microphone in one hand, a notebook in the other, and a bulletproof vest on. And when I got down there... Hang on, literally, John, a bulletproof vest. Well, that's kind of standard issue, as, as you probably know, PJ, for when you're, you're visiting a place where something could conceivably go wrong but as it happened when i got down there what did i see a lot of troops and a lot of other journalists with bulletproof vests and notebooks and 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 microphones mostly talking to each other there were very very few people around the place let alone protesters let alone any kind of visible threat so that seems to have been deterred Mm. largely i think by the by the level of security but there is still you know a considerable fear that this country has to be on watch for disorder violence domestic terrorism in the days and months and years ahead into the Biden presidency, because one of the legacy of the past four years under under Donald Trump has been profoundly bitter, deepened divisions mm. and hostility yeah. between factions in this country. Leaving a massive task for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to try to reunite it. Can they? Well, he seems to mean to try. I think, I think one of the themes of his so many, countless millions of people are going to be watching just after noon local time, five o'clock UK time, when Joe Biden gives his inaugural address. It'll have the largest audience possibly of anything that he does during his entire presidency. And there's no question he'll use that that speech to send a message of unification, to say that, you know, it's possible that, that unity is a choice, just as disunity and division is a, is a choice. And he's seeking to bring the country together. And it's exactly the sort of thing you would expect from any and will have heard from any leader coming into office in this country or, frankly, almost in any other liberal democracy around the world. But it's got a particular meaning this time because it is needed. And one thing that is said about Joe Biden is that he means it. He, he sets a genuinely sets a high value on on honesty. And he's trying to use that, I think, that currency now and starting tomorrow as the president, the 46th president of the United States, to appeal to this country to reach across to each other. And, you know, I guess all he can do is try. All he can do is send the message and all he can do is hope. Uh, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. And it's not going to happen quickly. With his strong Irish roots, of course, he's already popular in this country before he sets foot in the Oval Office. There will be a warmth. He will get time to bed in, but not long. Well, that, well that's so. I mean, and as far as his, his heritage and roots is concerned, but you know better than I do. He takes a ferocious pride in his Irish ancestry. He mentions it, you know, constantly. It was a, it was a bit of an issue for the UK, the British government, in recent times when there was a, a, of course, this there was a diplomatic chill in the air over Brexit and the implications of, of Brexit. And Joe Biden made very, very clear whose side he was on, and it was not on the side of the British government. It was on the side of, 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 of Dublin and the Irish and the European perspective in, in that. As for can he get his message across later on? Well, look. He starts off with, well, not a, I couldn't call it a fair win because this country is still deeply, deeply divided. I was looking at some opinion polls, numbers this morning, PJ, and he starts off with an approval rating of around two-thirds, about 66%, which is pretty good. Mm. That's, not, that's not bad, but it's not everything. And if you look, at, look further at those numbers, something like 33% of people in this, 
in this country don't believe the election, the general election which made him president, was a fair election. Mm. Now that's a minority, but it's still a it's still a substantial minority, and those and, and it also involves, by the way, a majority. Most people who voted Republican, they don't accept this was a fair election that Joe Biden was in that sense fairly elected. They, they still don't believe it, despite the huge number of failed court cases, despite the fact that Donald Trump was never actually able to prove anything he was saying, they still believe it. Yes, I mean, despite despite all of that, despite an, uh, an absence, uh, an entire absence of any evidence supporting that, that notion, despite, what, 60 court cases in eight states, despite the, the testimony of not just Democrats, but of leading Republicans in the state of Georgia, who, for their pains, had death threats and still live under the under the threat of, of violence. Despite all of that, there is that belief in the minority that this election was not fairly fought. And I don't think Joe Biden is going to make that go away. He's going to try, of course. He's going to reach across and start that process on the Capitol steps uh, tomorrow. But it's going to be, I think, a, a long, slow, difficult process. Is there a worry, given that division, about future civil unrest yes i mean there there is i mean you know since i've been here and certainly before that in the weeks leading up to this i've been talking to leading figures in law enforcement with experience in in security from agencies like the fbi homeland security legislators and so on and they absolutely believe there's a heightened risk of domestic terrorism from here on in it's not a new phenomenon it's not a new phenomenon we've seen cases of extremist uh, violence in this country in the past from the from the hard right of of the american spectrum the bombing in oklahoma took took many many lives years and years ago much more recently there was the explosion in nashville and and now well look what look at what happened on january the 6th where they found armed pipe bombs in washington dc at the headquarters of both of the main parties republican and and democrat and the the chat rooms the websites are pretty full if you if you look at the right or the wrong places for of talk of militant violence uh, in in the time ahead. So the FBI, the agencies, the Homeland Security, they are on alert for a real possibility of terrorism in this country in in the time ahead. Very very scary. And along with that, the Biden Harris administration has to try to recover the economy, an economy battered by by COVID nineteen. Yeah. The prospects. Well, I mean, I think. Probably, probably in the in the address. I haven't had a side of the draft of the speech, but I'm guessing it'll include some reference to the the pandemic and the need to fight the, the pandemic and the vaccination program. One of the first acts of, of the president tomorrow is going to be mandate the use of masks on federal property. So you can't go. He can't do it nationwide. He doesn't have the power. A president can't do that. But he can instruct that in any federal premises you will need to wear a mask. Now, in some cities, that's quite symbolic because that's what happens on these properties anyway now. But it's sending sending a a message. So he'll give a commitment to the fight against the pandemic. There'll be money for for all of that. There's been a lack of coordination, to put it mildly, from the federal government in fighting the pandemic so far. A lot of people say the response of the White House under the president has made things considerably worse. And the new president will, will no doubt seek to address that. And as for the wider economy, PJ, there's going to be, uh, he can't just do this by executive order, he needs Congress, but he'll be he'll be pushing through very, very soon a stimulus package worth some 1.9 billion, a trillion uh, dollars. Yeah. And that's well, to put in mind, that's quite a lot of money. Though those kind of packages can lead you to debt crises and, and inflation crises down the line if you don't manage them properly. Well, that well, that is so. But we live in a different world. It's a different a different planet now. I mean, look where you like, and countries are are borrowing 
on on, on a scale that couldn't have been imagined, you know, um, a year, a year or so ago. And as for credit with the markets, well, the markets kind of understand that. So it's a, you don't lose your credit rating by borrowing the odd billions of, of pounds or dollars here or there. It's a kind of an ugly contest and the markets aren't punishing anyone really for, for doing this. But I guess you do have to show, and they'll continue to show here as in Ireland, as in, as in the UK, an effort to show some kind of fiscal responsibility. So, you know, the finance ministers will show they are watching the purse strings, even though the purses are wide, wide open. Looking again to the administration and the four years ahead, it's, it's widely accepted that because of his advanced years, you know, Joe Biden will be a one-term president. Is he setting up for Kamala Harris to be the first, the first woman and the first woman of colour to be president of the United States? Well, I think I think both those things will be the presumption. I mean, that, that Joe Biden at, at the at the age of his late seventies will not be seeking a second a second term, and the vice president is first in line for the succession. And when you have a vice president who is a the first African woman, African American, and the, a South Asian American, and a woman to hold that that office, I think there's a there's a momentum behind making a statement that it's part of the evidence of, of progression in social prog- pro- progress in this country to have her to be first in line. So that, I think, will be the presumption. Look, you're never sure that that's going to be the case at the start of a of a presidency, that the vice president is going to be right there. But I think in this case, you can say it's a pretty strong presumption. Finally, as they leave, Donald Trump won't be attending the inauguration. I'm not too sure when the last time an outgoing president failed to do so. But Melania, we're told in our newspapers today, wouldn't even show Jill Biden around the White House. They, they're leaving in a huff, effectively. Yeah, they're leaving in a, in a half. I, I, I don't think... I think this has not happened for over a century and a half that we haven't had that kind of those those pleasantries, those formalities observed. The normal thing would be to see the the, the, the Trumps and the Bidens meet in the glare of a thousand lenses on the steps of, of the White House, then get a tour of the place. There'd be hugs and kisses and, and a show of friendship, even though that friendship may well be in, in, in truth absent. But we're not getting any of that. Donald Trump will get aboard his his presidential helicopter and head off to Andrews Air Force Base. There'll be as much of a show of military pomp and ceremony as he can possibly uh, get together because he wants to go out with a show of of style and then he'll be off down to Florida to Mar-a-Lago and more more of the same there with a big party planned. Although, by all accounts, he hasn't found it easy to get as big a party together to celebrate his that, that return as he would have liked. The invitations seem to have gone out with the message, look, bring five friends. And some people who've been who've been invited are not people who consider themselves remotely uh, friends or sympathetic to Donald Donald Trump. So we'll see how that one goes. Fact is, we'll be watching that. We'll see that play out. But the eyes of the world are going to be on the Capitol steps at, at noon Washington time when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are sworn in, and we hear the first inaugural address from Joe Biden. John, thank you for that. We'll follow it with you on Times Radio. Good to talk to you. That's uh, John Pienaar, presenter of the Drive Time Show on Times Radio, which is our international sister station in the wireless group, uh, the family of stations across the UK and Ireland. Uh, Great to have John on the show. You can listen to him on Times Radio. They have an app and you can download it and you'll hear his show. Uh, Four to seven is his Drive Time Show on Times Radio. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. 
The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quark's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Quark's 96FM. Now, it's two weeks ago today, exactly, that we were covering the carnage uh, inside the uh, Capitol. Well, it was two weeks ago today it happened, the carnage in the Capitol building where they drove in windows and invaded offices and got into the chamber. Now, to be fair, it was only a small number of the tens of thousands who gathered that actually went up the steps and broke in. But at the same time, it was like something never seen before and with a bit of luck, never ever to be seen again. One person who spoke to me the day after that was John Garron, who describes himself as, or Garron, who describes himself as an expat uh, now living here in Cork. John, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, As you sit down to watch the inauguration today, I've no doubt. Will you breathe a, a sigh of relief that Trump is gone? Yes. I will. <clears throat> I think a lot of people will, both Republicans and Democrats. Um, I think the Republicans are probably hoping that he doesn't take the party down with him. Um, you know, it's it's good riddance to him. He's he's not a good example of what America uh, is, in my opinion, or should be. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who believe his lies and uh, have gone wholeheartedly in with him. And, you know, I think over time, you know, with the new president coming in, that uh, some of the pressure will be relieved, but, you know, there's still going to be quite a number of people out there who, you know, are capable of doing some damage because they're not getting their way, Um, you know. He had 70-something million votes, which is the highest vote in the history of the presidency for a defeated candidate. So clearly a lot of of people support him. Well, you know, there's a lot that will, uh, a lot of that is going to be people who just oppose the Democrats. A lot will be people who believe in, you know, the, his ability to run the economy better and to reopen the economy as opposed to facing the coronavirus head on and accepting, you know, the science mm. behind it. So there, there are a lot of Yeah, because reasons. we were saying this, John, had it not been for COVID-19, we'd be looking at his inauguration for a second term. Yeah, I almost right. certainly. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and that would be uh, not a very good thing given, you know, I, people don't want to look at actually what he's doing. They listen to what he says and they believe what he says, but they don't want to look at what he's doing and the man that he is. And he's just not the right person to even represent the people who follow him. Um, you know, I read somewhere that he was upset because the people who stormed the Capitol, not that they were storming the Capitol, but that they looked low class. And that's what he would think if he met any of those people in person. You know, he's like, how can I use this person? But he's beneath me. You know, he's not like, he's a man who's probably never taken out the garbage. He's probably never handled dirty laundry, anything like that. You know, and yet he represents the working class, the uneducated, the poor white man, and they follow him ferociously almost because they just buy into his lies like they've been, 
you know, harmed by this invisible cabal or these, uh, these, you know, elite politicians, of which Trump is an elite himself, you know, and they just, they, they don't see that for some reason. It's, it's very interesting. I'm glad he's gone, and I hope that, mm. like, uh, more come to their senses over time. I think they will, and there'll be, a, like, a large portion of that uh, 70 million who were silent and didn't, you know, will silently change their opinion about who Trump is as he faces the impending, you know, legal consequences of his, um, his actions throughout yeah. his life. Uh, without Twitter, you know, so um, do, he can't do, do you think that uh, yeah, but that, do do you think that he will either go again himself or if you like groom someone to run yeah, in twenty twenty four? I think he will go again himself if he is not impeached and for uh, you know convicted. Actually, is impeached if he is not convicted and not allowed to run again, I think he'll run again um, for something. He may go for senator of Florida or something like something that he's, he could probably win pretty easily. Um, and if he is impeached and, oh, well, he is impeached again. If, if he is convicted and is not allowed to run for office, then he'll probably, if he's not in, you know, facing criminal trials or whatever, he'll, he'll set up to groom somebody and hopefully, you know, that'll, it won't work. It'll just be like a half of a half of, the population, like, take half of the Republican Party with them and, you know, let's get some sanity back in government. Mm, of course, as they always say about the U.S. presidency, John, that the next election campaign begins at uh, five minutes past midday, Washington, D.C. Yeah, right time today. That. Yeah, yeah. It's you unbelievable know, that's, uh, amount it's of money. It's always on yeah. the next election campaign. Yeah. So you're looking at either Harris or Kamala Harris or whoever yeah. in 2024. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, people, a lot of people are going to be a little bit more cautious about who they throw their support to. Um, I think the Democrats, for the most part, are happy and delighted that, you know, we have uh, Joe Biden coming in as president. Um, but, like, I think Kamala is going to have to prove herself in order to win over enough people to to go up against whatever Republican is coming. But it's, it's a lot like, you know, in Ireland here, when the party that's not in control just points out everything that the, the party who is in control is doing and blames everything yeah. on them, you know. So there's, there's always this push against the party that's in control, and I think Kamala is going to have to prove herself um, because I don't think Joe Biden will run again. I mean, it's... Um, he He'll may be 82 be, next yeah, time. Yeah, just depends. You know, I mean, there's some healthy 82-year-olds out there, you know, and I won't, I won't say that he won't run again for sure, but, um, you know, it just depends on, uh, okay. you know, how he's feeling, I think, at the time and how well Kamala's doing. Um, you know, but I think everyone, for the most part, except for that small portion of diehard Trump supporters, uh, everyone is relieved that this day has come, and come noon when Trump no longer has the nuclear codes, will come noon Washington D.C. time. Um, you know there'll be a sigh of relief, you know, across the world, probably to a certain extent at least. Uh, you know, let's get this guy gone and get back into like reality and see if okay. we can't solve some of these real problems facing the world. All right, John, good to talk to you. Hey, same Thank you very same. much. Have a good day. Cheers. That's John Guerin. He's uh, an expat living in Cork. Uh, Trump will be formally gone at about five past five today when Joe Biden takes the oath. And then the fun all starts again. They do say that about the, the U.S. political system, though. My buddy has lived there now for over 35 years. The next election campaign starts at five minutes past five our time today if you think they're election mad 
I, I, or rather, if you think we're election mad, they're worse. They're a hundred times worse. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Back to teachers and the views of teachers, the views of SNAs, the views of members of the public with regard to the uh, non-reopening of schools uh, for special needs tomorrow. Uh, an email from a teacher in Cork. I've worked in special education for 13 years. In my job as a special needs teacher, I am a teacher, a nurse, a counsellor, a psychologist, and in some ways, I'm like another mom to them. If they're anxious or upset, I console them and give them a hug. I change their clothes, I toilet them, I feed them, I read them stories, I teach them, and I try to keep them safe. I'm paid and treated the same as a teacher in mainstream. I'm assaulted most days in school and have been badly injured on three occasions. I love working with children with special needs, and unlike Nora Foley, I know what goes on in special schools. What she and the unions have done is turn parents against teachers and SNAs when our only aim is keep the pupils and our own families safe. We love our pupils and would do anything for them and their families. Michael Ryan of the WHO has said we see we need community transmission to be low in order for schools to return and we collectively need to get those numbers down. I get upset when I hear people slating teachers. We just want our pupils with special needs to be safe and thank you from a Cork teacher indeed we have her name another time we will play you might line that up again for me Wayne before we finish we will play that Mike Ryan clip uh, before we finish again today another teacher says I've not been able to tune in much due to my work commitments to my students I have been getting messages now of how we're being slated in the media this morning I'm an SNA in a mainstream secondary school in Cork. And I just want to say we'd love to be in school, but we're following our timetable exactly, class by class. I'm joining in live classes with the students I support so we can keep up with their work and with assignments. I'm contacting the students and in touch with the teachers. It is not true that we're at home doing nothing. I also have a stressed out Leaving Cert student in the house. We'll catch the podcast later. Regards, a very committed SNA and that podcast will be available uh, mid-afternoon sometime thank you for that 1850 have you been worried about how much time your children are spending in front of screens initially we thought it might not be so bad but there's a problem they will get addicted and in fact some of them already are new studies out are saying we need to Take bear in mind that there could well be an awful lot of withdrawal going on at the end of, of this, this pandemic and these lockdowns. We'll follow up with that one next. 1850 715 996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. If you want the biggest stars, Ed Sheeran, Lewis Capaldi, and Pink, I have them for you. After 12, the best music mix here on Cork's 96 FM. See you. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. A piece in the New York Times in the last couple of days saying that parents are getting worried that their children are now addicted 
to their screens, actually addicted, like you'd be addicted to a drug. They quote a psychologist from Stanford University saying that when all this is over, there'll need to be a period of epic withdrawal. Uh, there's also a piece on Al Jazeera News in the last few days, again, about the emergence of withdrawal symptoms uh, from children who have spent so much time in front of their screens. A few years ago, there was a guy called Simon Sinek did a piece about this where he said millennial youngsters have an addiction to their screens. Let's let's bring in our own regular uh, Catherine Hallisey, who was on that, that Al Jazeera uh, piece. Um, Catherine, I think... We've been kind of saying in the last few months that, you know, there are um, there are times during this where you just have to let the kids spend more time in, in front of the screens. But now it seems very obvious there will be, if you like, a price to pay afterwards. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, you're right. You know, when this looked like it was only going to be a couple of weeks long last March, we were so innocent and we were thinking, oh, look, let's let the kids have the screens now we need to focus on working from home or just getting through things and we can reevaluate when this is all over and here we are close on a year later and there is no end in sight hmm. and what so many families are talking to me about is just the distress they're seeing looking at their children and especially their teenagers and how now their whole world is inside the phone because yeah. school is online socialising is online. There's no sports, no anything else. And what what so many families are talking to me about is their young people's irritability and anger, even when they have to come off their devices, which is definitely raising, I suppose, warning signs about what's really going on here. Like if we didn't have the online world, we'd all have lost our reason an awful long time ago in, in, in this pandemic. But but, you know, good things should always be taken in small doses. And the children have been spending so much time on- online now that when they don't have to be online, they won't just be able to drop the phone and, and walk away because there is this addiction thing, which we, which the experts tell us is to the blue light effect. You know, there's, there's a few aspects to it. You know, an awful lot of people have overuse of their phones, you know, and so there's a difference between overuse and true addiction. So with a true addiction, um, not only is it interfering with your social time, your leisure time, but also your work or your schooling. Mm. So that's the, I suppose, the difference here. So overuse, it's literally just using it too much more than you'd like. But the addiction is where you feel you can't stop it. So you, you have this compulsion to engage and to over-engage. It's a, bit like, it's a bit like drinking, Catherine, in that if you, you can drink heavily and you can over-drink at times, but that doesn't make you an addict. Exactly. So it's important that we are very clear on what we're talking about. And you're right, screens have brought so much benefit into our lives and continue to bring so much benefit. So it's not that we're saying screens are bad, it's mm. that it's displacing other activities. Mm. We've talked before about how we might get balance. We, we, really, we really do need to focus now, don't we, on balance? Very much so, because we know that you know there are studies linking excessive phone use, excessive screen use to poor mental health. The research isn't saying it's causing it, it's just saying it's associated with it. Mm. So, you know, we all know when, you know, you pick up your phone to check the time and the next thing, 20 minutes goes by. 
because you've just accidentally or unintentionally gone on the phone. You know, it, it is, it's hyper-stimulating, hyper-rewarding. So every time you touch your phone, and we use our phones for so much now, and every time you touch it, you can lose time. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the issues I see even just with overuse. So, you know, one of the best ways that you can slow down time and feel like you're getting more out of your life is actually to spend more time outside. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we're using devices, it just seems to speed up time. We, we lose so much time doing yeah. activities, oh. maybe unintentionally. I'm just going to have a look at Twitter and before you know it, 20 minutes are gone. That That's that, that the scary bit. But look, yeah. we, do, we do need to strive for some kind of balance. And I suppose it, it ties in with the major topic of the morning, Catherine, in that now mm-hmm. with school gone on and staying online for the foreseeable, it's 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 not helping. How, how do you feel today uh, with the situation that has developed and that it's just utter confusion now? There's no mm-hmm. sign of schools going back. Even after the 1st of February, it's looking doubtful. Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, it's important that we're realistic about this. And I think it's extremely important that parents are not pitted against education staff. We truly are all in this together. The only way to get through this is together. There is no point in blaming any sector. Like, everybody is just trying their best. And, you know, I think it's so unfortunate that um, families of children with special needs, they rely on their relationship with education staff. And it's so important that that's protected. And the last two weeks have been so damaging to that. You know, so many families I've been speaking to spoke about how hard they found it two weeks ago. Was it on the 11th when they were supposed to be back and that didn't happen? Mm. And it it was so unlikely that it ever would have happened tomorrow. And you're right, it's unlikely it will even happen on the 1st of February. You know, so I think it's now is the time to really think about... Um, Do we have know, to, what? I suppose, prepare ourselves mentally, those of us who are parents with, with kids in school, be they in special needs or in mainstream? Do we have to mentally prepare ourselves for the worst, i.e. mentally prepare ourselves for the fact that it might not happen on the 1st of February and hope for the best? Yes, I think so. I think it's quite unlikely. You know, I suppose we all have different ways of coping. Some people want to have that hope that it's happening on the first, whereas other people like myself do a lot better if we say, okay, it's not happening at all at all until March or April, and this is my plan as to how I'm going to manage that. You know, and depending on the ages and needs of your children, you know, everybody's circumstances are so different. So I've had to really totally rejig my schedule so that I can support my children's learning. And it's because I have that long term view in mind that I'm willing to put that time in. So I think it's much more realistic that we speak about how can we get through this effectively? How can we think about it so that we're parenting in line with our values? It's not accidental, unintentional phone or screen use all of the time so that you can work. And, you know, I. There's something up on my Facebook, uh, you know, about educational TV shows. So if you're going to be using screens, let's see, is there something that you can tie in that it's educational? So that intentional screen use versus this unintentional accidental. Okay. Catherine, I'm going to leave it there for today. Thank you, as always, for joining us on The Opinion Line. That's Catherine Halsey, a child psychologist. I think we need to just accept what she's saying. That's highly, highly unlikely. The schools will go back on the 1st of February. 1850-715-996. Before I go today, if you've got a puppy in the house, uh, you will know that they don't sleep much at night.
Uh, the dog, you just throw the old dog down into the basket and away they go on their grand. But the puppy will be up and wandering and howling and taking a wee and all those kind of things. We all thought for years that puppies don't sleep as much at night. As opposed to human babies who sleep for hours at night. Well, when they start sleeping at night, you know what I mean? Puppies are the complete opposite. As they get older, they sleep the night. Uh, but not when they're young, and it can be problematic. But Dogs Trust have actually done a study on this. Sabrina Phelan is their senior training and behaviour advisor. Hi, Sabrina. How you doing? How are you? Good. It's great fun having a new addition in the house, but that is something that they don't sleep as much as you do, and they will wake you. It's a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we've done um, our um, great canine behaviour and research team and Dogs Trust UK have conducted conducted the study on sleeping in puppies, which is a really exciting study because sleep is so important for for, for pups, for adult dogs as well. But obviously this, this uh, study has focused on, on pups and, you know, puppies, uh, you know, across a 24 hour period, they, they might sleep for maybe 18 to 20 hours. Um, so they need a significant amount of sleep. But um, obviously what this study has found is that while they sleep a lot more than older dogs at night time, um, sorry, uh, uh, during the daytime, they, they sleep they a lot less than older dogs at night. They don't need it to sleep when, when we need it. So, so how could, can we train them in any way to go to sleep at night rather than sleeping through the day? Yeah, so what we want to see, it's very important that they get their rest during the day because they need that. So sleeping is really important for learning and memory for, for, for pups. Um, so we want them to be able to have their sleep and the rest during the day. So, And it's not a case that if they're sleeping a lot during the day, um, that they're not necessarily going to sleep at night. So with the night time, um, there are a number of things that you can absolutely do um, to help the, your pup get into a good nighttime sleep routine. Um, so, And a lot of this will be um, linked to what you do with your puppy during the day as well. So there's a few, I suppose, top tips that we would kind of advise for people. Um, so during the daytime, we want to make sure that your pup has, you know, appropriate exercise during the day. So the other thing to bear in mind as well is that but very young pups, you need to be careful about not over-exercising them um, when it comes to things like structured uh, exercise, like lead lead walking. Um, so the temptation might be for people to kind of tire their pup out during the day with lots of really high high energy activities to make them sleep at night. Um, and that mm. can actually have the opposite effect sometimes because if you do too much high activity stuff with your puppy, they'll actually be quite hyper. Um, yeah, so while having the sort of the fun playtime is all fine, um, and we would advise that, you know, kind of toy play, all of that kind of thing, and um, maybe some short training sessions with your puppy, they're all great things to do. Um, but you want to balance that out with more calming activities. So giving them lots of opportunity during the day to do things like chew appropriate toys, um, use their nose by maybe doing little sniffing games, and um, giving them things that they can, that they can lick on, um, which are all quite calming activities as well. Yeah. And I suppose the truth is that they, they, they will grow out of it. We just need to help them to grow out of absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You, know. you really need to help them. And, you know, when it comes to then their nighttime routine, you know, it's really important that they have somewhere, you know, very co- cosy and comfortable um, yeah. away from sort of all the busyness so that it's somewhere that allows them to kind of rest um, and sleep without being disturbed. 
Okay, going to leave it there, Sabrina, because I'm very tight for time. But thank you very much. That's Sabrina Phelan from Dogs Trust Ireland. Puppies, hey, guess what? They do sleep less at night, and now science has proved it. Isn't science great? Speaking of science, let us replay for you one more time what Mike Ryan from WHO, World Health Organization, the man leading this entire battle against COVID-19, what has he been saying about schools? Yes, there is an issue around how much and to what extent children participate in transmission. There are real issues around how schools can be reopened safely. But the best and safest way to reopen schools is in the context of low community transmission that has been effectively suppressed by a broad-based comprehensive strategy. We can't move from let's deal with the schools and then we all deal with that for a week or two and then let's deal with the workplace or then let's deal with infection in hospitals or long-term care facilities. This is playing whack-a-mole. We have got to focus on a comprehensive long-term strategy that focuses on everything at one time. But we can't turn schools into yet another political football in this game. Uh, it's, it's not fair on our children. So we have to look at this carefully in the light of the transmission in any given country or any given setting. And we have to make decisions that are based on the best interests of our children be it their educational or their health interest. And that must be based on data. That must be based on understanding the risks in the specific setting in which schools are. If we suppress the virus in our society, in our communities, then our schools can open safely. And there are many countries around the world in which schools are reopening successfully and safely because countries have dealt with the real problem, community transmission. That is Mike Ryan and speaking very bluntly as always and indeed the message I'm hearing from that very directly uh, to his native land as it were is we're nowhere near uh, reopening because our community transmission just is not low enough. That's it for today. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry and we're back in the morning just after nine. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.